is up sanctuary man uh yeah my name is david sonniker for you those of you who don't know me i am the worship leader here at sanctuary um and yeah we're role reversing today which actually is like kind of weird because it actually makes like a lot of sense because even though i'm the worship leader at sanctuary i'm actually not the singing pastor that's actually adam who is like notoriously the singing pastor who's actually TikTok famous for singing in his sermons like randomly um no, that's a lie. He actually doesn't even know what TikTok is, but um, <laughs> neither do I, so I can't talk. Um, but since we're like talking about us, just to get to know the team better, fun fact, Mark Mornishi is actually our fishing pastor. Yeah. Hardcore fisher. Fishes for fish and for men, so super biblical. And you're probably wondering now, like, what is my role? What is my pastor title? Well, I am actually the awkward pastor at Menlo Park. As you can see by this picture, where I just look incredibly awkward, which is the story of my life. Um, man, sometimes it's like I'm so awkward, I wonder if like Adam and Mark like languish working with me. It's like, but I know they don't. But I'm stoked to be here with you guys tonight. I'm stoked to speak. I get to kick off this series, Be Still. Um, and we're just going to dive into the story of Jesus in the storm, like probably what I would say is the most popular story about peace when we when people do series like this when they do talks like this is what they look at they look at the story of jesus in the storm but we're going to look at it from a different perspective because this is my opinion and my thoughts but like sometimes i think we look at jesus in that story which is like great because in this story he is the perfect he is the example of perfect peace in the midst of chaos in the midst of a storm in the midst of all that stuff but like for us like we don't have perfect peace because we're human. So I think a lot of times it's like we can't relate to it. But if we look at the other characters in the story, I think we actually can relate to them and we actually can learn a lot from them. And when we look at characters and stories, sometimes we look at it as just like humans or talking animals like singing dogs or whatever Disney does and um, like, uh, you know, aliens or whatever. But actually like sometimes characters in the stories are not just um, people, but they're actually places and things. A couple examples of this are Lord of the Rings, where the ring itself is a character of the story. In fact, I would say it's the most important character of the story. It's like in the title, and it's legit at the center of the story. Like all the good guys are trying to destroy the ring, all the bad guys are trying to like use it for power and get the ring and do all this stuff, and it's like literally at the center. Another example is Star Wars. Um, I had to use Baby Yoda, had to for obvious reasons, I'm sure. Um, the Force, the Force in Star Wars, again, like, I would make the argument is probably, like, the main character of Star Wars. Like, you know, the good and the bad are both trying to use it for their gain, and, like, the Force itself, like, it just dictates, like, so much of the outcome of the story. Um, and, yeah, the last example is a TV show, which I have not finished, so please do not spoil this for me. I know I'm way behind, um, but it's Lost. Um, and the island, the island on Lost is, like, is a character it's mysterious it's dangerous it's like unpredictable like all these things like we can look at it as a character in the story so as we look at jesus in the storm we're going to look at three characters and the characters are jesus the disciples who we're going to look at as one big giant character not into 12 individual disciples and the storm itself we're going to look at the storm itself as a character so i'm going to read straight from the word because the word is a much better storyteller than i am and uh yeah, I'm, we're going to have the words on the screen, so read along. Um, I chose 
There's three different accounts of this story in the Bible. Um, I chose the one from Mark just because I like that one the best. So, Okay, so Mark 4, 35. It says, That day when Jesus came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There, he, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall, or storm, came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So, like, I just want to stop there for a second because I think, like, I don't know if there's something to learn, but I think it's super relatable. So, like, Jesus and the disciples are, like, they just got done working. Like, they're doing ministry. Jesus is giving these sermons. They're, like, serving all these people. They're just giving, like, they're just working. And Jesus is like, you know what? It's probably a really good idea for us to, like, go get some rest, get a break. And the disciples are like, yeah, dude, that sounds awesome. So <laughs> they get on this boat. They get on this boat, like, ready for rest, right? Like, they're just on this boat traveling to wherever they're going to go next, and they're just, like, stoked for rest. And then out of nowhere, a storm comes and, like, interrupts their rest. And I don't know for you, but for me, that's, like, so relatable. Because, like, I don't know how many times, like, I am just like, okay, I'm finally at this point for rest. I can finally sit here. I can finally rest. I can finally play Madden 20, which is what I do. I can finally, like, do this and rest and just let my mind be at peace. But, like, I can't, and, and something comes up, and then I can't. And then there's all this stuff that I have to deal with to just hinder me from resting. Um, I just find that, like, so relatable in this story. Okay, let's keep on reading. Uh, so 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind calmed down, and it was completely, then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. So this part makes me laugh because it's like, I just like picture this story in my head. Like, the storm comes, I just picture the disciples are, like, in the front of the boat. Jesus, it says Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping. I think that's what a stern is. I don't actually know, so I'm just, like, <laughs> speaking for that. <laughs> but in my head, I picture it as Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping. The disciples are in the front. There's this furious storm. They're just, like, they're, like, freaking out. They're, like, you know, they're, like, getting buckets or taking their hands and just, like, trying to, like, get the water out of the boat just, like, furiously. And then all of a sudden, like, one of them just stops and goes, like, where the heck is Jesus at? So he decides to run to the back. Frantically, he's like, Jesus, don't you care if, I, if we die? Like, what are you doing? Why are you asleep? And this is interesting because, like, to me, this shows, like, Jesus was not their first instinct. Their first instinct was not to go to Jesus in the midst of this thing, but their first instinct was to, like, try and fix a problem themselves. I've been to Ethiopia twice in my life. Um, and both times, like, without fail, someone gets sick. And it's just really interesting to see, like, as Americans, like, the way that the people on the team will, um, like, the response to be, like, if I was to walk up to someone on the team and say, like, hey, like, I'm not feeling good, their response, and, like, I was guilty of this, too, would be, like, oh, well, here's some Advil, let's take some Pepto-Bismol, let's, like, here's some medicine, let's fix this with medicine, which medicine is a great thing, but sometimes we can even make that, like, above Jesus. And it's just interesting, because, like, w the Ethiopians, the second one of them hears that, like, we're sick, they just straight up, like, run. They just, like, instantly in that moment pray. And their humble prayers, their humble prayers of just, like, God, like, we know you can do this. Please heal this person. They're, like, cries out of humbleness of just, like, knowing who God is and asking him to do what he's going to do. And instead, the disciples here are, like, what the heck are you doing? 
they're questioning him. And that just, to me, doesn't look like a heart of, like, coming to Jesus first. It looks like the heart of making him your last resort. And then I just picture Jesus, who's, like, asleep, and I just imagine, like, if someone ran into my room as, like, and just starts screaming at me and I'm, like, asleep, I'm just, like, groggily, like, getting up, and I'm, like, what are you talking about? Like, I just can't, like, be in a full breast. And then I just imagine Jesus still somewhat asleep, like, walking out and just going, like, peace, be still. And it's, and there's one verse, yeah, he says, in the NIV version, it says, quiet, be still, but there's another version that says, peace, be still. And before that, it says, he rebuked the wind and the waves. And that word rebuked is, like, so interesting and so telling of Jesus and how he is. I was talking to Mark earlier this week, and Adam, as we were talking about it, and Mark was like, we were talking about how, you know, when, when Jesus or God rebukes things, it's, he rebukes evil things. He rebukes things that turn us from him. And so Jesus walks forward under this boat, and he rebukes the anxiousness, the, the, the wrath, the um, calamity of the, the storm. He rebukes it. And this shows us that Jesus contends for peace and stillness in our lives. He longs for us to be just filled with peace and stillness, that he would rebuke the evil around us. There's a poet who understood this so well that he wrote a poem about it. And uh, it can actually be found in the Old Testament in Psalm 46. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a couple parts of it. But it goes like this. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolation he has brought on earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. This poet is saying that like, no matter what happens, God is there. He's literally saying the world could literally crumble around us, that the mountains could literally fall into the sea, that in the middle of wars, in the middle of chaos, God literally wins the battles. He literally, I'm saying literally a lot, but he literally does. <laughs> he can literally, no, I chose the wrong section. He can literally break the, spear, the bow and shatter the spear. And then the last verse I'm going to read from here, he says, be still and know that I am God. And this is for sure one of the top three verses in Christian in the Bible. Like probably this, John 3, 16, and then the, um, you know, uh, love is patient, love is kind. I would, I would make an argument that those are the most three popular verses in the Bible, but this is, this is one of them. And this is the one that, you know, growing up in a Christian household all my life, like this is the one that, Anytime somebody was stressed or anxious or worried or anything, this is the one they go to. Because I think we find comfort in this idea of be still. We find comfort in hearing God say, be still. But I think we actually miss the rest of it. Because be still is just a portion of the sentence. You see, the sentence itself says, be still and know that I am God. And it's a really interesting sentence because I think we could actually reverse it and mean the exact same thing. We could say, be still and know that I am God. 
And we can say, no, God, and you will be still. And it's even more, to me, evidenced in the story of Jesus calming the storm because the story ends with Jesus says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. They didn't know who he was. They literally, they literally got more scared. If we look at the storm, who was, when we look at the storms, we think anxious, we think wrath, we think anxiety, we think um, chaos. We just think all these things. But like we look at how the storm responded to when Jesus said, be still, and it calmed. Because it knew who God was. And the disciples didn't. The disciples did not know who God was because they like, they literally see Jesus do this. They literally see it stilled and they get more terrified. And they say, they literally say the words, who is this? They don't know who it is. And these are the guys who walked around with him. These are the guys who like, just, they lived with him. They, you know, they would tell people that he was the son of God. He was the Messiah. He was the savior. He was the one to come. And yet still we see that they didn't actually know him. They just knew facts about him. There's a uh, blonde girl that sings here. She's actually standing right here. And she, uh, like on the worship, not right now, but she, she sings. Her name's Alicia Brooke Rodriguez. Yeah. She's my girlfriend. We dated for two and a half years. Her favorite color is blue. Her favorite uh, movie is Peter Pan. Her, um, she's obsessed with Baby Yoda. And the love of her life is actually not me, it's actually her dog, Scruffy. <laughs> and those are facts about her. And when we first started dating, um, we had struggles. We had struggles because um, she would go off with, with girls and I would just like, I wouldn't be around and I would just get these like fears and anxieties because of my past because I'd been cheated on because I'd been hurt she would go out and I would just be fearful of like what was going to happen since I wasn't around to like control it and stuff I would feel I would just get worried I'd get anxious I'd get stressed I'd get angry I'd get all these things and it took me it's taken me two and a half years to just know her as someone that I can trust to intimately know her that way to actually know her and that's that's the difference between the disciples and the storm is the disciples knew the facts but the storm knew Jesus so then begs the question how do we know God It's a really deep question that I could probably give a whole another sermon about, but I'm going to just roll with this simple idea of how we know God with a story about myself. It was the summer of 2006. I was, I'm going to, it's really funny in this group, I was thinking about this earlier, it's like I'm either going to age myself as old or I'm going to age myself as young because I'm kind of like right in the middle for this group. I, I, say, I say I'm going to be a freshman in the summer of 2006 and some of you are like, oh my gosh, you are so young. And I say summer 2006, some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, you are really old, actually. So it's just interesting, fun fact, tidbit. 
tangent. Um, <laughs> it's the summer of 2006, and I'm with my couple. I'm with some of my friends, um, and we're going to this event, this bowling event, um, with our youth group, and um, we're going to like meet uh, our youth guy, our youth leader, the guy who's gonna kind of like mentor us and like be there for us and like whip us into shape because we're idiot high school kids and uh, and all that stuff. And we go to meet him, and. Um, he, the, all of my other friends had met him already, so this is my first time meeting him. And I'll never forget, I'm walking up to him, and he stands up wearing his black fox hat, his red polo shirt, his black shorts, and his red and black shoes. He walks up to me and he says, hey, I'm Isaac. And I don't know what in the world happened in that moment, but it was like literally time stopped, and I'm just like, like a million thoughts raced through my head. Right, because in, because in this whole time where it's like my simple response should just be like, hi, I'm David. I just like, too many thoughts ran through my head to just give that quick of a response. And I was reminded of this movie that I had seen earlier that year. It's a movie that would forever change my life and forever change cinema itself. Um, this movie about the coming of age of this hero. And the whole first half of the movie where I'm just remembering a whole half of this movie where like, we're just, like, every moment of how this guy became to be who he was going to be, right? And then finally, we get towards, like, the middle or the, you know, climax of the story. And it's time to be, like, presented with who this hero is, right? And he's, like, fighting these bad guys. It's, like, cool. It's awesome. He's, like, hidden. We were just waiting for that moment. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, they're, like, the bad guys can't figure out who's there. And they're, like, who are you? And then, <laughs> and then out of the shadows amidst arises this hero, and he goes, in a line that forever changed, again, my life and cinema itself, he goes, I'm Batman. <laughs> and I do not know what went through my mind in that moment, but <laughs> this guy just st sticks out his hand to me. He says, hi, I'm Isaac. And I stick out my hand and grab his hand and shake, and I say, I'm Batman. <laughs> And this is no joke. To this day, there are people who do not know that my name is David. <laughs> like, legit. They don't know. If you were to say, like, oh, who spoke at Sing tonight? Like, oh, David. There are people who they wouldn't know who that is. But if you said, like, oh, Batman spoke tonight, they'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. That's awesome. <laughs> I know Batman. <laughs> but it just shows that we know people by their names. We know who people are by their names. And I didn't know if you know this, but God has a lot of them. In fact, I Googled for us how many names God has in the Bible. And I couldn't actually find one specific answer. Because there was one page I looked at that had 955 names of God. And there was another page I looked at that had 24 pages filled out of names of God. And I compared them, and there were some that were the same, but there were some that were different on both pages. And then I found one that was 100 names of God, which we have a slide for. And I compared this to the other two. And there were names that were missing on, other, on the other two pages that were here. So that at least simple math tells me that there are over 1,000 names for God. 
There are a thousand names for God and a thousand just different ways for us to know him, and I can guarantee you there's more. So I'm going to invite the band up now. And they're going to play as I close out the sermon. We're going to do a little activity. Because I don't know how you need to know God tonight. See, I don't know where you are in your, or where you are in your life. I don't know if you're the storm or if you're the disciples. But I can guarantee you either way, if you're one of them, if there's chaos, if there's, you know, whatever in your life, you need to know God a certain way. And I don't know what that is, but you do. So throughout the room, we have a couple stations. We have one back there, two over here, and then one up here. And we just have name tags and markers. What we're going to ask you to do is just to think of what you need to know God as. Maybe you're anxious and you're dealing with anxiety and you need to know him as the Prince of Peace. Maybe you're confused or stressed in life and you don't know where to go or you don't know what to do or what decision to make and you need to know him as the author of salvation. Maybe you're experiencing loss and death or just friendship or some way. You're just experiencing some sort of loss and you just need to know God is your comfort. Maybe you're overwhelmed and you wake up every morning just so overwhelmed and just your heart hurting you just need to know God is your forgiver. Or maybe life is great for you right now. Maybe things are just incredible and you're filled with so much joy and you just need to know God is the friend who celebrates with you in joy and love. I don't know how you need to know God. We're going to ask you to pray and we're going to ask you to go fill out one of these name tags. Write down the name of God that you need to know. Here's a hundred of them, and there's at least 900 more okay, to choose from. And if you don't know God, if this is your first time here, you don't have a relationship, or you're just checking this thing out, I just ask you, how would you want to know God? If there was a God, if there is a God, how would you want to know him? just challenge you to write that down on the paper. And once you're done, we have those two boards, and you can put it up on the boards, and we can see together just as a community how we need to know God in the different ways. And then once we're done, once you're done with that, we're just going to gather back together and worship and just praise God for who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. God, we love you so much. We thank you that there are just so many different ways that we can know you. We thank you that in all the different ways we need to know you, you fill them all. That you are everything and anything that we truly need, God. Just ask that you speak to us in this time, God, that you speak to us how we need to know you or how we would want to know you or whatever it is you need to speak to us tonight. We just ask that you speak to us, God. love you so much for you drink can't live without you so whenever you guys are ready feel free to just go to the tables and write down on the